Welcome to the Explore podcast from EF Pro Cycling. This week, we are launching a mini-series that follows James Shaw's experience racing in his first ever Tour de France. We will follow him as he takes on the world's biggest bike race through the ups and downs of Grand Tour racing, all the way from Bilbao to Paris. If you had told James Shaw just a few years ago that he would be here at the world's biggest race, he probably wouldn't have believed you. From World Tour Prodigy, racing down to the third level division, James Shaw was making his peace with never racing professionally again. But here he is. He has earned his spot on our tour team with his resilience and grit. We caught up with James after stage two of the Tour de France. The team has already had its ups and downs at this race, but James has shown why he's here and why he'll be such an invaluable member of our team. So join us on this ride as we explore the world of cycling together. My name is Catherine Ezra, and this is the Explore Podcast. So tell us how you ended up at the Tour de France. Is this the, was this the plan from the beginning of the season? Definitely not. If anything, maybe, I don't know, the, the Vuelta was more of a plan than the Tour. Sort of, yeah, I sort of went on the team training camp in Font-Rameau and it was like, do I go, do I not go sort of thing. Had a real good effect from the altitude, real good, real good sort of training block and everything with Nate, worked well with Will. And then went to Dauphiné. It was clear that I'd sort of like taken a good step forward. Got to the Saturday, I think it was, and the phone rang and it was Charlie. And like we normally when Charlie rings either really good or really bad and I was like, oh no, what have I done? Like it's gonna be one of those bad Charlie calls or good Charlie call. And uh it was a good Charlie call. And he was like, Oh, you know, we ran really well. What about we put you on the long list for the tour? And bearing in mind this was what maybe two or three weeks before the tour, so I got a bit of notice, but not not heaps. Yeah, so then from then on it was sort of like he sort of just said, All right, prepare as if you're gonna go. And that was it then. It sort of just went from there. Then the Tuesday, a week and a half before, he gave me the all clear, says, all right, pack your bags for a lap of France. So you saw you had another call from Charlie and you thought, "Uh oh, is this a good call or a bad call? Yeah, again, it was like, he was like, hi, you know, how are you doing? Are you well? And all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, Charlie, I know why you're calling. I just want the answer. Come on, put me out of misery sort of thing. (laughs) I'd missed his first call as well because my... Bikes had just arrived for nationals as well. So when I got back to my phone, I was like, oh, let's go, Charlie. Oh. So I like, rang him back as quickly as I could. Think. But no, yeah, it was good. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't really. I was like, oh, right, okay, cool. Like, I didn't really like know where to go from there. Really. I didn't really know what to say. So, yeah, I was a bit sort of like taken aback by it. But, uh, yeah, then we sort of just discussed the next sort of week and a half before the tour sort of thing. We're now a couple of stages into the tour. How are things going so far? Yeah, I think things are going well. I think it's clear the team, that everyone's in good shape, like everyone here. like, And I think it's also clear that the rest of the race is in really good shape as well. So I think it's going to be a real hard tour, a really aggressive, really aggressively race tour, which I think favours us because we have had a little bit of bad luck. We've already lost Richard after a day, which is obviously disappointing because he would be the... Uh, he would be the the man that we'd uh, put a lot, not a lot of pressure on, but sort of a lot of eyes on to help us sort of thing. And obviously to lose such a big a big name early on is a bit of a disappointment. But I guess when one door closes, 
another openness. So, you know, when the when the doors open and we get the opportunity, we'll definitely be there to jump straight through them. Talk a little bit because you were there with Richard when the crash happened, or, or you were able to stop when it happened. What happened in those moments? Yeah, so there was a few guys in front of me. I think Mass went down. And at this point, I couldn't see Mass because this was around the corner. But I could see Richard like trying to brake, trying to stop his bike, the the wheel jump in. And there was no way he could co- go to the left of Mass's bike. It was to the right, but there was very little room between the bike and the end of the road. And unfortunately, he came off the road. But this is uh, like, what, 60k an hour. But then there was a bank that sort of like just sort of catapulted him up sort of thing. And he's sort of tumbling down and must have at some point hit his knee. But I was, yeah, like I say, only two or three bikes behind, so stopped straight away to... I thought he'd jump straight back on, we'd be off, but it became very clear after sort of 30 seconds a minute that we weren't... Yeah, we weren't going anywhere anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, which obviously disappointing. So far, you've already raced the Vuelta, so you, you're not new to Grand Tours, and you've raced plenty of stage races. How does the Tour de France so far compare to other stage races? What's similar, what's different about it? I think the biggest difference is just the the atmosphere around it is the amount of fans, the noise of the fans, the amount of media attention, the amount of everyone's got a, a new kit for the tour, everyone's got a new sponsor for the tour, everyone's pushing, you know, everyone's in the, the best shape they can. It's everything's been about the Tour de France. And I mean, I, I was expecting that, you know, I've always, you know, always known it's been the biggest race, but by how much I didn't quite realise the scale of it. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, it's the same guys we've raced for the past year. Some guys, it's the guys I've raced since I've, before I've turned professional even, you know. Guys, some guys I've raced since I was 16, 17. So I guess that's pretty similar. And the sort of style of racing as well, you know, things like the Dauphiné and stuff, it's obviously pretty similar to here. Yeah, I guess it's pretty similar to the Vuelta, you know, in the sense that it's cutthroat, isn't it? It's Everything's there to be won. It's, I think it's the Vuelta, you get to the end of the year, and for a lot of guys, it's the last proper big hit out sort of thing, so it's all or nothing. Exactly the same here. It's the Tour de France, it's all or nothing, you know, it's 110%. You said earlier that the Tour de France wasn't necessarily on your programme at the beginning of the year. Think back even just a couple of years prior when you were racing Conti, did you ever imagine that this was a realistic possibility? Of course, everyone hopes to one day race the Tour, but yeah. the way your career's gone, did this seem ever like it was going to actually happen? Yeah, no, like you say, I think I've not really had the conventional, straightforward career that I'd have probably hoped for, that probably a lot of people have. It's been a bit checkered, and it's always been the dream. It's always been the ambition to go and race the Tour de France as every cyclist would, but it has had patches where it looked a lot more likely than others, you know, and obviously there was a few times where I'd, it was still a dream, but I'd almost written it off as like a realistic opportunity. There was time, there was a couple of moments where I'd sort of like decided that maybe I was going to just race on a small domestic level and do a job as well. So to go from that a few years back to now being here at the Tour de France is a little bit sort of yeah do you think that served you well in the long run and where you are now having had like you said a checkered sort of run up into joining our team 
I think, yeah, I think I appreciate the opportunities I get a lot more now. I mean, I'll always, I'll always, and I always would have made the most of them when I can, but I think I appreciate other people's input and a lot of other people's time and a lot of other people's job roles that maybe before I didn't have the same appreciation for. I think it's made me realise that it is a luxury to do this this job. It's not, I think it, a lot of people almost take it for granted and, and it's like, oh, well, I've worked hard to get here, then I, I should have the job. And it's, yeah, you, should, you know, everyone's... But then again, there's loads of thousands of people out there that work hard to be professional footballers and never become professional footballers. So I guess sometimes, you know, you do have to sit back and actually, you know, take a moment to sort of appreciate the journey you've had and the journey you're in and the position you're in as well. Talk a little bit about the fans that you've encountered so far here in the Basque Country. What's it been like out there on the roads? Yeah, they're, they're, they're really enthusiastic. They're really enthusiastic and they're out there in the, in the thousands and I think, yeah, one of the things I saw today on Instagram as well was they listed the top five annual sporting spectator events. And the Tour de France didn't just win, it won by like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I, I understand it's maybe a bit of a skewed statistic when you think, you know, maybe a football match is 90 minutes long when this is 21 days long. Um, <laughs> so maybe a little bit sort of a, of a numbers game. But yeah, I don't think don't think you can quite get your head around the amount of people that are going to sit at the side of the road watching it. It's literally like almost not all, all the way, but like a lot of the descents, it's spectator free. But yeah, on the climbs especially, it's four or five rows deep of people. It's like chocker. With all the mayhem of so many people out there on the road, with additional media requests and partner asks and all sorts of things happening on happening in the days being so full are you having fun at the Tour de France yeah definitely yeah I mean I think yesterday I was maybe let the pressure get to me a little bit I was a little bit like daunted a little bit scared yeah and I think it sort of zapped my energy a little bit but today I seem to sort of I'm like all right okay we're racing the ball's rolling now and hopefully like the snowball effect I'll just get better and better and better as the as the tour continues Well, we can't wait to follow your journey here at the Tour de France. Thanks, James. Thank you very much. You just listened to the Explore podcast from EF Pro Cycling. My name is Catherine Ezra. This show was produced by Johannes Manson and Matthew Bowden. Editing by Ben Cranell. Music is by Builders T. A special thank you to James Shaw. We'll be back soon with more stories from the tour. Thank you for listening.